Welcome in to episode number seven of a Jones Report postgame report. Sidler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up over the next 45 minutes or so, we will look back at the weekend that was in the National Football League and in college football. Also talk a little bit about the World Series as well towards the end of today's show. A reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And the way we get things going on the post-game report on these Mondays is asking a simple question, and that is, what did we learn from this past weekend? And the thing that I learned from this past weekend, and I kind of already knew this, but it was, I guess, reassuring of sorts. It kind of confirmed my state of mind is that the Chiefs have multiple ways that they can win. Looking back on the Chiefs' victory against the Denver Broncos, one of the things I was saying on this show over the last couple of weeks or so was that the Chiefs' offense could be effective in more ways than one. And certainly that's the case. Very true. We've seen so far in 2020 that the Chiefs have won games from the Chiefs' offense of throwing it down the field or whether it was the short passing game or the run game. You go to that back to that Buffalo Bills game out of nowhere, the Chiefs ran the ball, what, 46 times and had close to 250 rushing yards. That was the most rushing yards and rushing attempts ever in the Andy Reid era in Kansas City. Well, now we saw something of a whole other magnitude for the Kansas City Chiefs in their win against Denver. They won besides just the offense getting them victory. The defense and the special teams played a huge role in the Chiefs' win against Denver. All three phases of the game uh, came through for Kansas City. And going back, how this all came about for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on a Sunday. Um, you know, Daniel Sorensen in the second quarter has a 50-yard pick six. And uh, Sam McDowell at the KC Star made a great point. He said that that was Drew Locke's first passing touchdown against the Kansas City Chiefs um, and his only passing touchdown in his time playing against the Chiefs. A pick six by Dan Sorensen. Dirty Dan. Now, um, it has been noted on this show and my radio show that I'm not a huge Dan Sorensen fan. Um, guy makes a lot of mistakes on the field, but at times makes some big plays and shows up uh, you know, in some big moments for about every – you know, five bad plays, he makes one great play. And this was a great play. Credit to Dan Sorensen for uh, being able to read Drew Locke and get that interception. And then later on in that same quarter, Byron Pringle gets a 102-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And Byron Pringle, folks, this guy was from K-State, had a good career with the Wildcats playing over there and kind of a do-everything guy, comes to Kansas City just battling for a roster spot. Um, and they decided to give him a shot at being a kick return man. And when we saw him out there, like, okay, this is interesting. I don't think I've seen Byron Pringle return kicks before. And then, boom, he has a kickoff return for a touchdown. I think we're going to see more Byron Pringle doing some kickoff return coverage in the very near future. I mean, he did a great job with that kickoff return for a touchdown. And it also gives him a little more leverage as far as reason to stay on the Chiefs roster. 
at this point in the game, the Chiefs had scored more points with their special teams unit and <laughs> their defense than they than the Broncos did with their offense. Um, credit to the Chiefs for winning all around. And this hasn't always been the case with the Chiefs. I love to go back to 2018 and point how bad that Chiefs defense was, that the offense carried this team on their back. And we've seen at points this year the Chiefs special teams has been kind of up and down, in all honesty. Uh, Harrison Butker has had a bit of a down year. He had that great game against the Chargers, and he's been missing extra points ever since. In fact, he missed an extra point yesterday. But it was a big day for the Chiefs to have everybody get involved and win this game. Um, It was huge. And in the elements, of course, you had snow on the ground. Uh, it was snowing this the entire time, which is just crazy for you know mid-October that we're talking about snow. But that did not derail these guys. And there was discussions about, you know, hey, is the snow going to slow down the Chiefs? And are they going to let that get to them? Um, they're playing in mile high and everything, and it, it just didn't matter. The Chiefs didn't let any of that stuff get to them whatsoever. Patrick Mahomes, he says he's a snow guy, uh, that he, he likes playing in the snow, and it showed. And uh, so credit to the Chiefs for just getting everybody involved in this game. I mean, you look back at Patrick Mahomes and his performance. He goes 15-23, to 200 yards, a touchdown, no picks. And Patrick played okay. He didn't play spectacular. He didn't blow the doors off Denver, but he did his part. He did what was asked of him. And the run game, you know, Clyde Edwards-Elaire had eight carries, 46 yards, and a touchdown. 5.8 yards per carry. That's fine. They didn't really use him a whole lot. Le'Veon Bell, six carries, 39 yards in his debut. His first run was a 12-yard gain. You know, the, the offense was not spectacular. The offense was um, okay on Sunday, but they didn't need to be any more than that. This was a all-around team win for Kansas City. Um I love what they did to play as a team. And Drew Locke, it's a great story, you know, the Lee Summit kid to be playing in the National Football League and be a second-round pick. And, you know, of course, for Missouri people, they were so happy that he stayed and went to Mizzou and ended up staying an extra year instead of going to the draft and all that stuff. All that's fine and dandy. It's a great story, and he's a great kid. But I think – after watching Sunday's game, if you had your doubts about Drew Locke, I think they got amplified a bit. The Chiefs made Drew Locke look like a nobody. Um, now, I think part of it is, we mentioned on Thursday's show when Coach Bo was here with us, I said that Drew Locke is Case Keenum 2.0. And I think... After watching yesterday's performance, that would be an insult to Case Keenum because uh, Drew Locke did not play well. Uh, he really just struggled. 24 of 40, 254 yards, two interceptions. He just had a bad day. And the story of Drew Locke's career, dating back to his high school days, is when he faced inferior competition. When he could go out there and he knew he was on the better team, he would just you know, go haywire and play out of his mind. But then once he'd play a team that's better than him, 
or just as talented as him, then he'd struggle. I mean, this guy struggled against Oklahoma State in a bowl game, who was notoriously bad on defense. And so I think that's what happened with this matchup with Drew Locke and the Chiefs, where Drew Locke runs into a Chiefs team that was better. Um, You know, you look at the Chiefs on defense – the Chiefs have a better defense than what Denver has for an offense, and that showed. And they got pressure. They had a great game plan coming in. Um, here's where I give credit to the Chiefs and where they adjusted well. And I know some of it has to do with Philip Lindsay getting hurt. Don't get me wrong. I won't discredit that. But this is where I give Spags and company credit, is that what they did was you notice early on in the run game for Denver, it was effective for a bit there with Lindsey and Melvin Gordon. Those guys were running the ball really well. And so Spags adjusted and said, all right, you want to play that way? We're going to load the box and we're going to make Drew Locke beat us. And Drew Locke couldn't beat him. Um, I mean, credit where credit's due for slowing down that run game after the – Broncos were running the ball real well and making Drew Locke beat him, and, and he simply couldn't. Um, the Chiefs' defense was up for the test, up for the challenge, and uh, played really well. So that's I liked what I saw from the Chiefs, 6-1 and one on the season. We'll go around the lake here in just a moment, but um, I know the Steelers are the last undefeated left in the National Football League and are in first place in the AFC, and the Steelers are playing really good. Don't get me wrong. We'll talk about them in just a moment, but I've seen no reason to think that the Chiefs are not the best team in the league right now, especially in the AFC. Um, after Sunday, you look at this game against Denver. They win 43-16. to They really should have won by more. They had about three different field goal drives that could have been touchdowns. The offense played decent, not great. This was an ass-whooping, and it could have been worse. The Chiefs are playing good right now, and we've been kind of nitpicking things here and there from the Chiefs, but the reality is their best football is still in front of them. They have not come close to peaking yet, which is a good thing. 6-1 and one and still a lot of good football left. I like where this team's headed. Now these next couple weeks, you get the Jets, and then you get the Carolina Panthers at home. It's a matter of staying motivated. The Jets, I mean, we saw a bit of Chad Henney the other day, uh, yesterday. Chad Henney and the JVers could beat the Jets. I mean, really. Um, now you've got to find ways. That's going to be the biggest challenge the next two weeks is staying healthy and staying motivated. Um, they should have no problems with Carolina and with the Jets. But that's what's next ahead for the Chiefs. I like where their position That's what I learned from this weekend from the Chiefs is that everybody can get them to victory. That's not just the offense, that all three phases of the game can come through for this team, that they can rely on all three to come through and get them a victory, a divisional game at that. Let's look at the other games across the league this past weekend. Thursday night football, the Eagles beat the Giants. 22 to 21. The Eagles are now in first place in the NFC East. Uh, man, is the record of the NFC East champ going to be six nine and one? 
It sure looks like it at this point. Um, Carson Wentz actually played good, which I don't think we've said in a long time. Giants should have won this game. They blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. Daniel Jones had that big 80-yard run that should have been a touchdown, but he fell on his own feet. He actually clocked in faster than any time Lamar Jackson has ever recorded in his time in the NFL, 22 miles an hour. If Daniel Jones can just stay on his feet, the Giants win that game. Um, You know, the Eagles, sure, you'll take a victory, but the Giants should have won this game. I mean, plain and simple. There's just no excuses for why the Giants didn't pull this off and get this done. To blow that lead like that and what they did, uh, just inexcusable. Uh, But what an awful division. I think the NFC East kind of resembles 2020 as a whole, really. Uh, the Steelers beat the Titans 27-24. to Steelers are now 6-0 and on the season. What a game this was between the Steelers and the Titans. Um, the Steelers jumped out early on the Titans, and they were beating the Titans at their own game. I watched all this game on Sunday, and what we've seen from the Titans – in the Mike Vrabel era, is run it down the opponent's throats with Derrick Henry and set up to play action for Ryan and T- Ryan Tannehill and you know dr- play ball control football, wear out the clock. The Steelers did that against the Titans, beat them at their own game. Um, you know James Conner had a re- very good day running the football, especially early on, and you jumped out to a big lead. What was it, twenty four seven, something like that? that the Steelers were up, but then Big Ben started to make mistakes. I think that Big Ben's got a shot to be comeback player of the year here in 2020, but you can't have those interceptions, those old man mistakes. He was having those you know, senile old man moments with those three interceptions in the second half. The first half Steelers against the Titans looked as good as any team in the league this year, but that second half was so brutal to barely hold on, get bailed out by that missed field goal by Gatowski. Steelers are a good football team, but you can't have a collapse there down the stretch. They got lucky to pull away with this win. Um, you know, they they really struggled there. You got to play four quarters of football better than that. And Mike Tomlin knows that. Big Ben knows that. Um, that won't fly against a lot of teams in the league. They just happen to get lucky there that the Titans – uh, made some mistakes there down the stretch. But nonetheless, 6-0, and good start for Pittsburgh. Also worth noting that Claypool, who we've been talking about having just this huge season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was kind of MIA. Uh, Chase Claypool only had one catch for negative two yards. The Titans did a really good job of taking him away, but in doing so, Juju had a big day. Uh, some of the other targets there for the Pittsburgh Steelers had big days. Um, you know, now you got to wonder, you know, if teams are going to focus on Claypool, does Juju all of a sudden step up and play well? Um, it, it reminds me of the Chiefs in the sense of pick your po- poison. If you're going to take away Tyreek Hill, okay, fine. Then Miko Hardman or Travis Kelsey is going to have a big day. That's, I think, what you're seeing now with somebody trying to take away Claypool with the Steelers. Not necessarily a great strategy because somebody else like Juju will step up. Lions beat the Falcons 23-22. to um, You know, close game right down to the wire. The Falcons are just so bad. Uh, they're now 1-6. I mean, 
the Lions, credit where credit is due to be able to pull this off down the stretch. I'm telling you, folks, Matt Stafford, I like Matt Stafford, and I hope that he can get out of the Lions and you know go to a contender before the end of his career because I still think he's got some good football ahead of him. He's proven himself. He's playing well, but he's got no help there. And Matt Patricia is just a terrible coach. Um, I hope that Matt Stafford can get out of there and have a chance to play somewhere else. The Browns uh, beat the Bengals 37-34. to How about Baker Mayfield, folks? Baker gets off to a slow start to this game, 0-5 for in an interception. And then from there on out, he just shook that off and it was flawless the rest of the way. And if you remember the week previously against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was struggling there. And, you know, his wife is out there defending him on Instagram and against all those Browns fans that were going after Baker. And you know what? Credit where credit's due. Baker showed up. Baker showed out with five touchdowns, only one incompletion after the first five incompletions to open up the game. Baker did great, 297 yards through the air. They did lose Odell Beckham to an ACL injury. He's done for the year. That'll be a huge loss for the Browns to not have Odell. Um, I like Jarvis Landry just as much, if not more so, than Odell. Um, You're going to get Austin Hooper back uh, here soon. Uh, Njoku had a touchdown. Need to get him more involved here. Um, You'll miss Odell, but you got other weapons here, believe it or not. The Browns have some guys to work with. I don't think the Browns are done just from losing Odell. Um, For the Bengals, Joe Burrow was phenomenal. 406 yards, three touchdowns, just one pick. Um, you know, we, we've said this on this show, and Coach Bo alluded to it on, on a Thursday show. The Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. I mean, he's balling his ass out and, and just not getting any help whatsoever. I mean, he played great, and everyone else around him there in Cincinnati just mailed it in. I feel bad for Joe. He deserves better than that. Uh, to have that type of performance and still come up short. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Joe Burrow having a great rookie season. The Saints hold on against the Panthers 27-24. Drew Brees goes 29-36, 287 yards and two touchdowns. Saints are 4-2. Look, I'll be honest. Yes, the Saints are 4-2. and Their record is, is fine, but I'm very worried about the Saints. Um, I would sell the Saints right now. If we're talking about Super Bowl contenders and their chances, um, the Saints, to me, they have a lot of talent, certainly. But they're not winning with any style points. Uh, There are two losses this year against the Raiders and the Packers. They looked bad. Um, To me, I'm very concerned about the Saints. And Drew Brees, he's clearly not the same quarterback that he once was. I would sell that stock on the Saints. Meanwhile, for the Panthers, 3-4 and four on the season. Matt Rowland company. This was a team, remember, that was supposed to be tanking, that was supposed to be falling apart, um, you know, to get ready for next year. They were, you know, in the, the rebuild process of some sorts. But Matt Rule has done a phenomenal job. Teddy Bridgewater uh, turned out to be a good pickup for them. Um, you know, they're competing with teams. You know, Teddy goes 23 of 28, 254 yards and two touchdowns. He was great. He did all you asked of him. And I look at that Carolina team, and, you know, they're not going to be 
you know, contending for the playoffs by any means, but they're a good, bad team and certainly have surpassed expectations. Matt Rule's the biggest reason why. Bills beat the Jets 18 to 10. Jets are now 0-7. They're a dumpster fire. Adam Gase still somehow has a job. I couldn't tell you why. Uh, the Bills at 5-2. and um, Kind of similar thing to the Saints here. Yeah, you only have two losses, but I'm concerned about the Bills. The Bills got exposed the last couple of weeks. And to barely beat the Jets like that, um, not impressive by any means to be held to just 18 points. Josh Allen looked okay, not great. I think that you know the Bills are still the favorites to win their division, but I don't know if they'll go anywhere beyond that. They've been kind of exposed here the last couple of weeks. Speaking of being exposed, how about the Washington football team getting this win over the Dallas Cowboys, 25-3? Dallas just looked bad. And, um, you know, Dak Prescott goes down, what was it, a couple weeks ago. And a lot of folks were saying, well, just wait for Andy Dalton. You know, he can kind of, you know, just pick things up and that they have bigger issues than the quarterback position and whatnot. And now we are starting to see how good Dak really was for Dallas, that he was covering up for a lot of the holes and the mistakes that are there with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if it's going to be Dallas or who it's going to be, but somebody's going to pay Dak Prescott. He has earned himself some money simply by not playing, by being hurt the last couple of weeks, Uh, because that offense was just bad. Zeke did not play well. Andy Dalton struggled uh, throwing the football. Um, you got all that receiver talent. That offense just couldn't do anything. Uh, credit to Washington. Kyle Allen played a good game. Uh, you know, he had two touchdowns, 15-25. He did his part. Washington's defense, you know, Chase Young had himself a good day. Uh, their rookie that they drafted, you know, that number two pick overall. Um, you know, that to me is the story here is Washington, we know they're not anything at 2-5. and five. The story here is... Dallas and this collapse. There's just no excuse for them to be two and five right now, even without Dak Prescott and everything. This is a dumpster fire. Um, Mike McCarthy is doing an awful job with Dallas. They should be a lot better than what they are. I think a lot of it goes back on the coach, and we've heard some rumors and some speculations, some different things. If this continues as is, I don't know how you keep McCarthy in Dallas uh, after this season. I really don't. I don't know how you justify that, especially after what went down with Jason Garrett and everything you said about Jason Garrett. I don't know how you can justify McCarthy with, comparably speaking, what Jason Garrett did with the same team. Uh, We'll move on. Packers bounced back to beat the Texans 35-20. Rodgers was back to his old self uh, yesterday. I mean, a really good win for Uh, the Packers to take care of business on the road. Four touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He was great. Texans 1-6 and right now. I mean, Deshaun's doing his part, but he's not getting any help. And I feel for Deshaun because he he deserves better than that to be stuck in in, uh, in Houston, uh, what he's going through. Meanwhile, the Packers, this is the game that they needed after being disappointed, embarrassed by Tampa. You needed this type of bounce back, and that's exactly what I expected from Aaron Rodgers. He delivered. Bucks beat the Raiders 45-20. And, you know, the Bucks were the team that were the most interesting team heading into 2020, the team that we were all very intrigued 
to see how this would all play out with Tom Brady uh, and how he would do in his first year away from a New England and such. And Tom Brady's winning the divorce with Bill Belichick right now. Tom Brady looks like he was 32 or 33 years old yesterday. Close to 400 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he threw 45 pass attempts, and he was still playing phenomenal. And, and getting it all around everybody. I mean, Godwin, Scotty Miller, Gronk played good. Gronk played like him, his old self, too. Leonard Fortnette was good out of the backfield. I mean, this Bucks offense, what was the thing I told you before the season began? I said, look, things could start out a little shaky, a little rusty for the Buccaneers because they haven't had that offseason OTAs and all that stuff to get this team uh, you know, on the same page, that it's going to take time. And now we're seeing as this season goes along, the Bucks are significantly better than what they were week one. The Bucks are getting hot at the right time, folks. Um, you know, I- I'm impressed. The Raiders, they hung in there for a little bit, but ultimately they couldn't keep up. And, you know, I like what I saw from Aguilar and uh, Darren Walger and Renfro. I mean, they, they got some talents. But the problem with the Bucks with the uh, Raiders was the run game. Josh Jacobs got held to 17 yards on 10 carries. I mean, he, you got to do better than that. The best thing the Raiders can do is run the football, and the Bucks shut that down. Uh, great job by the Bucks, not only to have that great offense, but to take away the best thing the Raiders do. How about the 49ers and the Patriots? This was quite the story of what the 49ers did to New England. We talk about winning the divorce that uh, Brady's got it right now, that he went to the uh, the court and he was able to get, uh, you know, all the all the belongings and, you know, that the judge ruled in his favor. Well, look at this game. The whole theory, and I don't have to go very long, go back in time very far to find this, the whole idea was in New England that you could just plug any quarterback in and that they would be good. When you looked at what Matt Castle did filling in for Tom Brady and such, and um, that was kind of the idea that that would just be the case, right, with Belichick that, hey, he can work with anybody. But you had three former, or actually one former and two current Patriot quarterbacks under Belichick, and all three of them struggled in this game. Despite San Francisco winning, Garoppolo didn't play great with two picks. Um, you know, Cam got bent. He had three interceptions. Stidham had one pick. I don't know what happened to Cam. Once he got COVID and missed a couple weeks of practice, he hasn't been the same quarterback since. And, you know, for, for Belichick bringing in Cam, it didn't really cost him much. They didn't have a guy that they liked at the quarterback position. They're 2-4. and four. New England's done. You can ride off New England now. San Francisco still has a ways to go to try to make this postseason. Their chances of winning the division are out the window, but New England's done. And I think now, at this point, with Cam not really showing up who you thought he was just even a couple weeks ago, Stidham's not the answer, neither is Brian Hoyer, I think it's time to hang up the towel for New England here. I think that there's a chance they mail it in the rest of the way and try to get that high draft pick to go get maybe even a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or somewhere along those lines. It's over for New England. It's done. And I almost feel blasphemous to say that, but that is the case. It was a bad day. 
And it's been a bad stretch for New England the last few weeks. We know what they're capable of. We saw it against the Seahawks and several other teams to open up the season, but they have not been that team. Um, sell the Patriots. They are over with. See you later, and we will not miss you. Chargers beat the uh, Jags 39-29. Herbert continues to impress. Three touchdowns, close to 350 yards. Great game from Herbert. I feel for Gardner Minshew. Looks like that he's probably going to lose his job here soon. Um, Gardner Minshew's got no help around him. Um, You know, he still threw two touchdown passes. What's the guy supposed to do? I mean, they have, you know, completely destructed and torn up shop there in Jacksonville. I mean, what's the guy supposed to do? Right? He is doing his part. He just has no help whatsoever. Um, Gardner Minshew, there's bigger issues there in Jacksonville than Gardner Minshew. Herbert, um, you know, getting in at, you're getting it to Keaton Allen, who had 125 yards and 10 catches. I mean, he's going to be a star in this league. He's shown that to this point. Um, great win for the Chargers. They're 2-4. and four. They're better than their record indicates. They were within one possession of how many games this year? You know, the ball bounces another way. The Chargers, they could very well be 4-2 and two right now instead of 2-4. and four. Sunday night football, this game was one of the best games we've seen all season uh, between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And I got to tell you, um, I had no idea how this game was going to shake out. Uh, you know, you, you had a chance for the, the Seahawks how many times to win this game. They led the entire night until the Cardinals made that field goal. The Cardinals could have hit a field goal earlier in overtime to win it, but ultimately missed uh, from Gonzalez, their kicker. Kyler Murray balled out 34 48, 360 yards, three touchdowns, also at 67 yards on the ground. Kyler Murray's a star, folks. He has arrived. And for you Sooners, you Gooner fans out there, Goomers, um, Kyler Murray is the best OU quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, and that's not including Troy Eggman because he went to UCLA after playing at OU initially. But Kyler Murray is the best quarterback to ever come out of the University of Oklahoma. He's better than Baker Mayfield is right now. He's better than what Sam Bradford ever was. Um, He is doing a great job. And, you know, Russell Wilson, he had three picks. Kind of an off night for Russell Wilson last night. Russ came in as the MVP favorite. And, you know, I think that he tried to do a bit too much. He's not getting help from his defense. Seattle has one of the worst defenses in the league. What happened to the Legion of Boom? I don't know. I don't know why that they've fallen off like they have. Well, actually, I do know why. Um, They haven't replaced all those guys after all the money they spent on Russ and some of these other guys. Um, But with all that being said here, there's some big issues in Seattle. I think that they have to find ways to correct that defense a little bit there before we can – take this team seriously, I think that they have some defensive issues that they need to overcome. I like Seattle. I think they're a good team, but I don't know if if they can get past their defensive issues to be a Super Bowl threat at this point. They got exposed by Arizona. It was pretty clear. Um, felt happy for uh, you know Arizona's Isaiah Simmons, the Olathe North product, for you know getting that big play there at the end. Uh, that was great to see him get involved. They've been kind of easing him into their system. There's a lot to like about what this Arizona team is doing. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was great. 
10 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. They won that trade with Houston big time. He's been a major asset to Kyler Murray and what they've done on that offense. Cliff Kingsbury, I didn't like the hire of Kingsbury to the Cardinals, but here's the thing. Kingsbury is letting the defense do its thing and leaving that to his defensive staff to control. And he's controlling the offense. Um, you know, their management is taking care of personnel. He is not having to control as much as he did at Texas Tech. And I think that's what's making him a much better NFL coach as opposed to a college coach is he's actually having to do less. And he's letting everyone else do their job and not trying to do everybody else's job like you do in college. So credit to Kingsbury for adapting to the NFL, for letting the game come to him. They're 5-2. and two. Arizona, watch out, folks. Um, you know, they're looking like a playoff team right now. I don't think that they can go anywhere, but they've made some noise, and they deserve some credit. Monday Night Football tonight, Bears and Rams. We previewed this game on Thursday's show. Bears are the number one seed in the NFC as of right now. The Rams, I think, are a better team. The Rams are at home. They have a better offense. Um, but this game really comes down to what Nick Foles is going to show up. If Nick Foles can play like he did in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, the Bears are going to win this game. Um, but if Nick Foles plays average or below average, then the Rams are going to be just fine. That's what this comes down to. Personally, Aaron Donald versus Nick Foles, I think Donald is going to give Foles a long night, personally. I like the Rams to take care of business just fine to win this one at home. So there you have it. That's our whip around the National Football League. All right, let's move on to our Big 12 breakdown now. And uh, starting with the Sunflower Showdown, KU and K-State. Uh, this was just bad. I mean, there's hardly any words to describe just how pitiful KU played against K-State over the weekend. Uh, I mean, starting with special teams, my goodness, was that bad or what what, uh, what KU did there? They couldn't figure out how to kick it out of bounds uh, is beyond me of how hard that was for the KU special teams unit to figure out on uh, that front of uh, keeping the ball away from Phillip Brooks, who just had a day, two punt returns for a touchdown for the Wildcats. I mean, credit to K-State, first off. I mean, these guys – you know, Will Howard made enough plays. The KU offense, actually, for that first three quarters was pretty comparable with K-State, actually, believe it or not. But they made so many mistakes with the defense and with the special teams unit. Um, eventually, they just KU could not get out of their own way in this game. Um, you know, it was just pathetic. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that really frustrates me about this KU game is you know that your offense is struggling. You know that your defense is struggling. Why are you not paying attention, you know, shoring up that special teams unit of saying, you know what, this is one thing that we have to get right, that you have the talent to do it, that you can clean this up and make this work. To me, that's what doesn't make any sense here. Um, Jalen Daniels, I think he showed some potential, actually. He just had no help. Uh, 22 of 39, 207 yards, and an interception. He had two rushing touchdowns. The, the guy's got some talent, but, I mean, 
when you're playing for KU, there's not really much you can do uh, about it. I mean, for years since Todd Racing left KU, people have pointed to, well, KU's got problems at the quarterback position. They can't get the quarterback right. And what did we learn from when Montel Cozart and Ryan Willis, some of these guys went to other places? It wasn't the quarterback. The quarterback was fine. He had no help. That's the same thing with Jalen Daniels here. True freshman, you know, he had no practice time this offseason. You know, he's new to this and everything. Um, he's going to be fine, but they have to have some help around him. And it was a bad day. Uh, you know, Will Howard was not bad for K-State quarterback spot. Run game for K-State, I thought they would actually do more than just 129 yards, personally. I thought Deuce Vaughn and, and uh, Harry Trotter and those guys – we're going to do more than what they did, but they just didn't need to. I mean, you look at it, that uh, special teams unit for K-State just did their part and then some, and K-State made it easy for them. Uh, KU made it easy for K-State. So um, KU's in trouble. I don't see them winning a game this year. K-State, meanwhile, at 4-1. and one, um, I'll say this. K-State, yes, they can make the Big 12 title game, but I would still sell their chances when it comes to winning the Big 12 championship. I do not think, even though they beat Oklahoma, I do not think they're better than OU. I don't think they're better than OSU. And quite frankly, I don't think they're better than Iowa State either. Um, This has been a good year for K-State, but they will get exposed eventually. Um, You know, this is – they've played over their heads a little bit here. Um, Saturday was awesome. Great win for those guys, but – Eventually, it's going to catch up with them here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm not saying that as a disgruntled KU guy of some sorts there. I give K-State a lot of credit. But eventually, this run that they've been on, the luck's going to run out of some sorts here in the next few weeks. Also in the Big 12, Oklahoma State defeats Iowa State 24-21. Um, Iowa State, man, I, I don't know what happened to this team. They had so many chances uh, here to win this game. The missed field goals, not completing drives and everything. I mean, Iowa State just choked. I mean, that's plain and simple. Oklahoma State, their defense is legit. Not just the best defense in the Big 12, one of the best defenses in the country. But I still need to see more from Oklahoma State's offense. Spencer Sanders had a decent showing in his first game back. Tyler Wallace was great. Um, But you got all those weapons there. Oklahoma State, nice win. You're 4-0, but Open it up a little bit more. I want to see this Oklahoma State offense play their full potential. They have not played their best football yet. The defense is awesome, um, but they still can get better. Uh, that offense can. Um, they have a lot of talent there. Just a matter of putting it all together. and They'll need to in this next stretch as they try to make the college football playoff here. Uh, but certainly a big win at home, take care of business. And you know, Brock Purdy, they, they did a good job of, you know, not letting Brock unleash like we're accustomed to seeing. Brocktober has uh, you know been quite the run over the years, right? And they held him to just 19 of 34, 162 yards, touchdown and interception. Oklahoma State's defense is legit, and that's what's winning them football games. That sounds weird to say about Oklahoma State, but it's the truth. Oklahoma, dominating win against TCU, 33-14. to And if you're an OU fan, I think the number one thing you're happy about with the Sooners in that win – is that the defense did not let up in the second half, in particular in the fourth quarter. Yes, you gave up a touchdown, but the big problem with Oklahoma is their defense 
plays great for three quarters, and then they can't finish things off in the fourth quarter. They finish things. They did their part. They did their job. Big-time win for OU. The Sooners, I told you after that Texas win, that's a turnaround game. OU's going to be just fine. TCU's got a lot of problems. That third loss of the year will certainly not be their last. Um, TCU's got a lot of losing in their future the rest of the way. Um, But big-time win for Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler's coming together. I think that OU fans had anticipated that Rattler in his redshirt freshman season was going to have a – you know, Johnny Manziel, Sam Bradford, uh, you know, that type of season, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, that type of, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, freshman redshirt season. And he hasn't been that level, but he's been just a step below that. And that's still really good. He's just not going to win the Heisman Trophy, and that's okay. His numbers as a freshman are still better than what Kyler Murray and what Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts and those guys were as freshmen. He is going to be a star, but it's going to take a little bit of time. He's getting better every single week. I like what I've seen from Rattler. Hold the phone. Marvin Mims, though, freshman wide receiver for Oklahoma. He and and, and Pledger at the running back spot, two young guys that we didn't really know what to expect from them from that OU team this year. They are coming together, and this OU team – these young guys are finding themselves. It took a little bit of time, but they're coming together. Watch out. Oklahoma is going to be a whole lot better team at the end of the season than they were at the beginning of the year. Texas beats Baylor 27-16. I think if you're UT, it wasn't pretty, but you're happy with the way your defense played. Um, You know, that's the big thing here for Texas is their defense played fairly well against that Baylor team. You know, 13 points from Baylor came in the fourth quarter. You held the Bears to just three points through three quarters. That's pretty dang good. And that's Texas's biggest problem right now is their defense. Um, you know, they needed that. They needed that type of performance. They move ahead to three and two. Baylor's got some problems, um, particularly their offense just isn't Big 12 caliber, isn't Big 12 quality right now. Texas Tech beats West Virginia 34-27. to uh, The Red Raiders now at two and three. West Virginia falls to three and two. This was a nice win for Texas Tech to take care of business at home. Um, Texas Tech, I think, if you lose this game, then you're sitting at one and three with you know one of the worst opponents of the entire year on your schedule being a loss. You would have been in big trouble. Now you have some optimism of some sorts that you got this win done. Uh, I think that both these teams are still a hot mess, but nonetheless, for Texas Tech, this could redirect your season, You know, keeping it from falling apart to giving some life of some sort. So big-time win for Texas Tech to get that done. Also in college football this weekend, uh, going around the slate, it was great to have the Big Ten back. They had some good football this weekend. I, I liked what I saw uh, just to see Big Ten football back, the Mountain West Conference back. Um, another loss for the Corona Bros. I'm sure it was tough for the Corona Bros to see uh, all that football be back uh, from those conferences. But the the big takeaways from the Big Ten's return, first and foremost, is Indiana knocking off Penn State in overtime. Now, you know, it was a bad spot, sure, on that last play, that uh, two-point conversion for Indiana. But – Penn State should not have been in that position to have to go to overtime with Indiana. Um, Penn State, look, James Franklin, 
everybody's tried to glorify him as this great coach. He's simply not. He's a good coach. And Indiana, they've been waiting for that top 25 win. It's been a minute, but it was only a matter of time. And so I, I like what I saw from uh, – uh, from Indiana, Penn State's a fraud, sell Penn State. Ohio State, a big reason the Big Ten came back was for them to have a shot at the national title. And they looked like a national title-worthy team on Saturday with that win against Nebraska. I liked what I saw. Justin Fields was phenomenal. Um, you know, How about on Friday night, Wisconsin beating Illinois 45-7. to Graham Mertz, the product from Blue Valley North was just awesome. Only one incompletion, had five touchdowns, his first game. This guy's going to be a star. Um, just a great outing from him. I'm excited to see how his career unfolds. And we haven't seen that type of football from Wisconsin. Wisconsin has been ground and pound and, you know, quarterback manage the game type. Um, you know, Mertz is going to change that for Wisconsin. He is going to – uh, unleash that Wisconsin offense like we've never seen before. And we got an idea of that on Friday night. He did test positive for COVID. Hopefully it's a false positive and he can come back or something like that because he certainly changes things for the Badgers. Uh, otherwise, in college football, Bama rolls again. They did their thing. No shock there. Um, I hated to hear about the injury to uh, Jalen Waddle. He's going to be out for the year, it seems, for the tide, and that guy is a terrific talent. Um, you know, you hate to see him go down that way on the very first play of the game. That kickoff return, Nick Saban had some not so nice words to say. Well, he shouldn't have brought it out uh, on that kickoff return, but you know, he's going to be a great player in the National Football League. His best football is still ahead of him. Alabama is going to be fine. They have other guys in that those places, but not having Waddle there certainly hurts. Notre Dame wins. I know that they beat Pittsburgh, sure, 45-3, but I'm still selling Notre Dame. Don't read too much into that win against Pittsburgh there. Michigan, here's a team that the last couple of years, Shea Patterson held them back offensively. They go with this Joe Milton guy, and their offense was just off the charts. Um, Michigan is going to be a lot better offensively without Shea Patterson at quarterback. They're still not beating Ohio State, but I do like what I've seen from Michigan with that win against Minnesota. So there you have it. That's a look around college football this past weekend, and uh, wasn't that something? Uh, great to have the Big Ten back, and we'll have the Pac-12 back here pretty soon, and the Corona Bros will just lose their minds, and it'll all be great. Last thing before we get out of here, World Series. Uh, the Dodgers lead at 3-2. They're probably on their way to claiming a World Series title and ending this you know, bad run of sorts the last couple of years. It was only a matter of time. You spend so much money, you got to break through eventually and win a World Series, right? Um, they have Mookie Betts, who's arguably the best player in baseball, right up there with Mike Trout. He's been phenomenal. Um, he is fun to watch. That that cat is uh, something else. Um, but although the Dodgers won Game 5 and are in, probably in position to take this thing, I want to go back to Game 4. Game 4 on Saturday night. This was one of the greatest baseball games I've ever seen. Um, you know, down the stretch, you have, for the Rays, Brett Phillips. And if that name sounds familiar to you, Brett Phillips was, uh, you know, barely on the Royals roster at one point this year. Gets traded away for next to nothing. And he comes through for the Royals, or for the Rays, 
to get this win. Who saw that coming? This guy was batting, you know, sub 200 and came through. So I'm always a sucker for a great story, and I'm I'm happy for Brett Phillips that he got to be a part of that and you know be a hero for the Rays. That's one I certainly did not see coming. Um, you know, the Dodgers are so loaded. I think they're more talented than the Rays. That's what this comes down to, why the Dodgers are ultimately going to win this series. But credit to the Rays for being in this position, for getting this far. It reminds me similar to a team right there in their own state, the Miami Heat. The Rays not, might not be the most talented team, but they play well as a unit. And... Uh, I mean, it's it's just phenomenal what they've been able to do to get to this point. I, I got to say, too, uh, if you guys know me, you know that I like Joe Buck. I'm a fan of Joe Buck and what he does calling, calling sporting events. Uh, a lot of Kansas City people give him so much crap uh, for, you know, back in the 2014 World Series when he, uh, you know, gave Madison Bumgarner credit and everything. Joe Buck has done a phenomenal job this last week or so calling – NFL games or the World Series, go back and look at that Game 4 call. That was a great call by Joe Buck at the finish of that game to let the moment play out and describe itself and add just enough emotion. Joe Buck, folks, is probably the second greatest baseball announcer of all time, only behind Vin Scully. Um, Credit where credit's due for Joe for uh, letting the moment uh, live up to it for just being the right person in that moment. I love what Joe did, and it only added to what was a great game, that game four the other night. So there you have it. That does it for the Jones Report today. Big thanks to you, the listener, for joining us. As always, subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review. And uh, Twitter.com forward slash Dollar Jones Live, TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live at Jones underscore report. I will see you right back here later this week. Until then, have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. So long.